Hello there, welcome to the latest episode of Back in the Day. Now today I'm going to be looking at uh, the season of 1962-63, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now Wolves were a great side in the late 50s, in fact they won the league in 58 and 59. The 60s also started well for Wolves when they won the 1960 FA Cup final with an emphatic 3-0 win over Blackburn Rovers and only missed out on an historic hat-trick of league championships by one point to Burnley, despite having scored over 100 league goals. The 60-61 season, they finished third, nine points behind double winners Tottenham Hotspur, but limped out of the FA Cup, losing 2-1 to Huddersfield Town in, at the time battling relegation in the second division in the third round. Then in 61-62, a big drop in form, falling to 18th in the table, just four points from the drop. The FA Cup run came to an end in the fourth round with a 2-1 home defeat to fierce rivals West Bromwich Albion. Ouch. The notes in the Wolves programme spelled out what needed to be done. I quote, in recent, in recent successful seasons, the challenge to Wolves teams has been to stay near the top of the English soccer scale. Today, as we begin another winter campaign, there is a different challenge. This time, what needs to be done is to get back to the top. And whatever happens between now and next April, that is the aim in the minds of everybody at Molyneux, from management to ground staff to apprentices. No new players were brought in during the summer. But one new aspect in the team, the captain was uh, given to England international Ron Flowers. Ron Flowers made his international debut in 1955 and would stay in the England squad for 11 years. In fact, he was included in the World Cup winning squad of 1966. So who else was in the squad at the start of the 62-63 season? In goal, we have veteran Scottish keeper Malcolm Finlayson, Fred Davis and a certain Bob Wilson who would later become a vital member of the Arsenal double-winning team from, the, uh, from 1971. Wilson would never play a first-team league game for Wolves, but then he didn't become a regular in goal for Arsenal until 1968. In defence, they had Flowers, veteran Bill Slater, centre-half David Woodfield, George Shaw, and the promising left-back Bobby Thompson. There was also a reserve Jerry Harris. In midfield, they had Freddie Goodwin and John Kirkham. Up front, we had former England international Peter Broadbent, Chris Crowe, signed from Blackburn Rovers, Alan Hinton, a talented left winger who would do great things with Derby County, County later on in, in the decade. Inside forward J- Jimmy Murray, long-serving Barry Stobart, goal-scoring winger Terry Walton and free-scoring centre-forward James Edward Farmer, known as Ted. The skillful 22-year-old scored 28 goals in his debut season, 60-61, also scoring five goals in two England under-23 matches. He suffered a broken leg in 61-62, ending his campaign that season. The manager was club legend Stan Cullis, who had managed the Wolves since 1948. So, after such a poor season last time, a good start was essential. And they certainly got it with a crushing 8-1 win over Manchester City, a team that included superstar goalkeeper Bert Troutman, Peter Dobin and future Wolves legend Dave Wagstaff. Four goals from Farmer, two from Murray and a goal apiece from wingers Walton and Hinton. You could say City got off lightly because when the eighth goal went in, there were still 20 minutes to go. Surely no team's ever got off to a better start than that. So, was it a fluke? Well, it doesn't look like it, because two days later they went to Upton Park and beat West Ham 4-1. Two goals from Farmer and a goal apiece from Crowe and Walton put Wolves 4-0 up before West Ham got a consolation goal a minute from time. The following Saturday, Wolves took a trip to Blackpool, who had also won their opening two matches and came away with a fine 2-0 win with two goals from Chris Crowe. So... 
After their bad season last year, Wolves found themselves top of the table with six points out of six, a goal difference of 14 against two. Everton and Aston Villa also had six points. Were Wolves heading for the big time again? I think I used to like about the league programme back in them days was the home and away games which came close together. For example, having played West Ham in midweek in, in week one, they played them at home the following week. This season, they will play local rivals West Bromwich Albion at home on Boxing Day and then away three days later. At Easter time, they play Midland rivals Aston Villa at home on Easter Monday and then go to Villa Park the very next night. They certainly don't do stuff like that now and I think it's the worst for it. I've always found this exciting, but it stopped me. Stopped it about the late 60s. Maybe it's just me. So having lost 4-1 at home to Wolves last week, the Hammers couldn't have been looking to their trip to Molyneux. But a rear guard action marshalled by Bobby Moore saw them came away with a nil-nil draw, ending Wolves' 100% record. Still, a great start. And the team, Davis Shaw, Thompson, Gilbert, Woodfield, Flowers, Walton Crow, Farmer, Murray and Hinton had started every match. It was the same eleven that took to the field for Blackburn Rovers' visit on the 1st of September. They soon shook off the disappointment of the midweek draw and beat Blackburn 4-2 with two goals from Hinton and one apiece from Farmer and Crow. Next up, an away trip to Bramall Lane to face Sheffield United where Ted Farmer put Wolves in front, but pace equalised for United just before half-time. But a minute later, Terry Walton scored to give Wolves a 2-1 win. Wolves made their first change to their line-up for this match, with Jerry Harris coming in for injured George Shaw at right back. Harris had been a regular in the team for some years before the emergence of Bobby Thompson had lost him his replace. But now comes the biggest test of all, a trip in midweek to White Hot Lane to take on the mighty Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs have won five of their six league games so far this season and would line up that night with this team, Brown, Baker, Henry, Blanchflower, Norm Mackay, Medwin, White, Allen, Greaves and Jones. So it's practically the double winning team of 60-61 with Jimmy Greaves added on. Formidable. To the shock of the 61,412 crowd, the young Wolves side, George Shell back in the side, were 2-0 up after half an hour with goals from Terry Walton and Chris Coe and were still 2-0 ahead at half time. John White pulled one back in the 77th minute, but the defence marshalled by experienced skipper Ron Flowers held on for a great victory. So Wolves now had a record of played seven, won six, drew one, lost none, with a goal difference of 4.22 against six, 13 points. One point ahead of Everton with a game in hand. Sorry. It looked like Wolves were back in the big time. Next up, third place, Nottingham Forest. The game seemed to be peaking out into a goalish draw, until Colin Addison put Forrest ahead. But Wolves' heads didn't drop, and Terry Walton scored yet again with 10 minutes to go to give Wolves a one-all draw. While Wolves were struggling to get a point at home to Forrest, Spurs were beating Blackburn Rovers 4-1. The two teams were set to meet for the second time in a week at Molyneux on Wednesday. The atmosphere at Molyneux must have been electric when the two teams took to the pitch. The only change in the two teams from last week's match was Terry Dyson coming in for Cliff Jones for Tottenham. Jimmy Murray gave Wolves a 1-0 lead at half-time and he scored another one minute after the break to put the Wolves 2-0 up. But the genius of Jimmy Greaves thwarted Wolves as he scored the two second-half goals and the match ended 2-2. Ted Farmer was missing from the line-up from the trip to Champions Ipswich Town. 
In came ex-Villa man Peter McParland. You might remember him for the 1957 Cup final and his collision with goalkeeper Wood. In a fine performance, Wolves came from 2-1 down at half-time to win 3-2 with goals from Hinton and a brace from McParland. Wolves stayed top of the league. Two points clear of Everton with Forrest third, Tottenham fourth and Burnley fifth. Despite McParland's brace, Farmer came back into the side for the visit of last season's second division champions Liverpool. Wolves came out on top in a five-goal thriller. The scorers Murray, Crow and Walton. Both Liverpool goals were scored by Jimmy Melia. Wolves' successful start to the season hadn't gone unnoticed by the England selectors, with Ron Flowers, Chris Crow and Alan Hinton were all picked to start for England against France in the Nations Cup next Wednesday. It was the Wolves' proud boast that England hadn't taken to the pitch with at least one Wolves player included since 1938. That's incredible. So, into October and the arrival of championship rivals Everton. There were two major players injured for this vital match. Out went skipper Ron Flowers to be replaced by young John Kirkham and Ted Farmer was missing again, again to be replaced by Peter McParland. After a goal his first half, Everton made the breakthrough after an hour with a goal from Irish winger Billy Bingham and then doubled their lead after Alex, Alex Young rang on to a brilliant Roy Vernon Fruble to make it 2-0 and secure the win. Wolves' unbeaten record had gone and their victors Everton had taken over at the top of the league. Would it have been different if Flowers and Farmer played? Probably, but Everton were a very good side at the time. You can actually see the goals in this game on YouTube. It's a shame they didn't show more than that because the picture quality is very good. Ron Flowers was back in the side for the trip to Bolton Wanderers. As Bolton were in the, at the bottom of four of the league, Wolves must have been had high hopes of getting back to winning ways, but lost 3-0 with two goals coming from a young Francis Lee. The 100% away winning record was over. Worst to come in the following match, when Wolves lost 2-0 at home to bottom of the table, Birmingham City. It looked as if the wheels had well and truly come off. They were drawn, they were down, sorry, they were down to fourth place behind leaders Everton, Spurs in second and Burnley in third. The next Leeds match was the most exciting of the season. Also the most disappointing for Wolves fans, going down 5-4 in a thriller to Arsenal at Highbury. Alan Hinton was missing from the lineup, and in came E. Wolves legend Peter Broadbent for the first time this season. The Wolves, oh sorry, the Arsenal were 2 0 up after only 11 minutes with a brace from Joe Baker. Wolves were level by half time with goals from Chris Crow and a penalty from Skipper Flowers. George Easton restored Arsenal's lead in the 58th minute, but two goals from McParland and Broadbent put Wolves 4 3 ahead with 15 minutes to go. But two goals in two minutes, Joe Baker completed a hat-trick and another by Eastham secured the points for the home team and Wolves lost their fourth league game in a row and dropped to fifth place behind Leicester City. The run of defeats came to an end with a 2-2 home draw against a fine Sheffield Wednesday team, both goals coming from right half John Kirkham. Despite the bad run of results, Wolves are still only three points behind leaders Tottenham. The next game will be a big challenge and a way trip to Burnley, currently in third position. More injury problems, as well as the long-time absentee Ted Palmer, both wingers Walton and Hinton were missing from the Burnley match. Barry Stobart came in at number nine. It proved, it proved too much for Wolves, who conceded two goals in two minutes early in the match and went down 2-0. Manchester United, with Greg Styles, Giles, Quixel, Heard, Charlton and Law in their lineup, 
strangely found themselves in 18th place when they arrived at Molyneux on November the 17th, 1962. And in the first half, they looked to struggle inside as the goals from Stobart, two goals from Stobart, gave Wolves a 2-0 half-time lead. But as they say, form is temporary, class is permanent, and three goals in 11 minutes from David Hurd and two from the legend Dennis Law gave United a 3-2 victory. Wolves have now gone seven matches without a win and have dropped to seventh in the table. Worrying times. Wolves legend, 35-year-old Bill Slater, replaced David Woolfield at centre-half for the trip to bottom-side Lake Norrin, promoted from the second division last season with Liverpool. Alan Hinton also came back into the side. The rock was stopped in some styles. Goals from Crow Hinton and two from Barry Stobart gave Wolves a 4-0 victory. At this time, the draw for the third round of the FA Cup gave Wolves a tough trip to Nottingham Forest, currently fifth in the first division. It will be the 1959 Cup winners against the 1960 Cup winners. Another tough test was on the, in the next home game on 15th of December against fourth place Leicester City. In a disastrous first half, Wolves found themselves 3-0 down with two goals from inside left Gibson and an own goal from Ron Flowers. Alan Hinson pulled one back early in the second half, but 3-1 was the final score. On the following Monday, Wolves played a friendly against Hungarian side Honvid eight years after the historic match in 1954, when they beat the Hungarians, Puskas and Kosciks, and all in front of uh, £55,000 fans. Bill Slater, Ron Flowers and Peter Broadbent are the three present Wolves players who played that night. This match fell a bit short of that and Alan Hinton scored for Wolves in a 1-1 draw. Back to league action and up next, a trip to Craven Cottage to play Fulham, second bottom in the table. Youngster John Galley came in for centre-forward of Barry Stobart moving to number 10. Fulham were brushed aside just like fellow strugglers late Norrin. Two first-half goals from Stobart and Galley and a second-half hat-trick from Alan Hinton gave the Wolves a 5-0 away win. Harris came in for injured Joel Scholl for the next match at Manchester City, out for revenge from their humiliating 8-1 defeat on the opening day of the season. It certainly looked they were going to get it when they went 3-0 up after 28 minutes. Chris Crowe pulled one back a minute from half-time to give Wolves a chance. Barry Stobart pulled another goal back and the comeback was complete when young John Galley fired in the equaliser. A great performance from the team. The next match at home to Blackpool was postponed, so now it was on to two matches, home and away to fierce rivals West Bromwich Albion. Albion arrived at Molloy on Boxing Day in a mid-table position, but seeing as Wolves hadn't won a league match since September, must have been quite hopeful. David Woodfield came into the, back into the side instead of Bill Slater. Wolves had one of their most frustrating days when with goals from Crow and Hinton, giving them a 2-0 lead at half-time, Referee Mr Yates from Bristol abandoned the match. I assume for heavy snowfall after this was the winter of 1962-63, one of the worst ever. I remember it well. In fact, Wolves didn't play another game until January the 19th, 1963, when Sheffield United came to Molyneux and got a 0-0 draw. After a series of weather postponements, FA Cup third round tie actually took place and once again Wolves were knocked out in the third round by Nottingham Forest losing a seven-goal thriller, 4-3. Barry Stobart scored twice. The other goal was scored by Peter, Peter Broadbent. The fixtures were near, really piling up now due to the big freeze. 
Over two weeks later, Wolves took to the field against an emerging Liverpool side and injury to keeper Fred Davis gave veteran Malcolm Finlayson his first start of the season. He had a miserable time of it as Wolves were crushed 4-1, pushing Wolves back down into seventh place. They steadied the ship with a credible nil-nil away draw at leaders Goodison Park against title-chasing Everton, and then they had a fine win at St Andrews against Birmingham City by four goals to three. Goals by Walton, Stobart, Kirkham and the winner by Broadbent. The fans had nothing to celebrate at home since the 29th of September, but that changed in dramatic fashion on March the 16th when fierce rivals West Bromwich Albion came to Molyneux and were fresh 7-0. Terry Walton scored a hat-trick and there was a brace apiece from Stobart and Hinton. Certainly a day to remember. Up next were Bolton Wanderers, who were also also severely beaten this time by four goals to nil. Goals from Kirk and Crow, Walton and Stewart. This latest return to form had catapulted Wolves into fourth place behind Tottenham Hotspur, Leicester City and Everton. The Wolves came crashing down the following Saturday with a 3-1 defeat at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday. Alan Hinton scored the only goal for the Wolves. The next home game see Wolves make hard work of beating bottom club Leighton Orient on their first ever trip to Molyneux. Wolves uh, crossed to a 2-0 lead at the interval with goals from Stobart and Walton. Orient pulled one back in the 50th minute, but Wolves held on for a not very convincing 2-1 win. Due to the big freeze, Wolves, along with most other teams, had to squeeze 11 games into the final six weeks of the season. The first of these was the return game with West Bromwich Albion the following Wednesday. Well, no 7-0 victory this time, but a good result when you consider Albion led 2-0 at half-time. But a splendid fight back with goals from Stobart and Hinton see Wolves come away with a 2-2 draw. On Monday the 8th of April, there was an emotional return to Molyneux for probably Wolves' greatest ever player, winner of 105 England caps, ex-Wolves skipper Billy Wright, who was now managing Arsenal. There was to be no repeat of that nine-goal thriller early in the season at Highbury, but Wolves fans weren't complaining. A Terry Walton goal separated the teams and Wolves came away with the two points. The next home game the following Saturday was incredible. The Burnley team of the early 60s were a very good side. They had been league, cha- they had been league champions, FA Cup finalists and European Cup quarter finalists. Since their league title, they had finished fourth and second in the last two seasons. So when Andy Lockhead scored to put them 1-0 up after eight minutes, you'd have thought an away win was on the cards. Wolves had other ideas. Broadbent and Murray scored to give Wolves a 2-1 half-time lead. In an incredible second half, Wolves ran right and ended up winning 7-2. Broadbent and Hinton both scored two. Murray and Walton scored a goal apiece and there was an own goal by the unfortunate Burnley right-back John Angus. Amazing result. Two days later on Easter Monday, Midland rivals Aston Villa arrived at Molyneux. Once again, Wolves went a goal down. But with a minute to go to half-time, left-back Bobby Thompson put into his own goal. But again, another good second-half performance and Walsh ran out 3-1 winners with goals from Murray, Walton and Hinton. The very next day, they completed the double over Villa with Hinton and Walton, the deadly uh, wingers, both scoring in a fine 2-0 win. An injury to right-back uh, Shell gave Jerry Harris a rare outing at second-place Leicester City. Yet another goal from left-winger Hinton gave Wolves the lead, but City centre-forward Keyworth equalised and the game finished 1-1. Good result. Everton led the table, closely followed by Leicester City and Tottenham. 
Wolves are now fourth, Burnley fifth with five matches to play. With Shell back in the side, Wolves went to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United who incredibly found themselves in 19th place, only two points off of relegation. David Hurd put United a goal up after five minutes. A Tony Dunn own goal equalised for Wolves. But that man Dennis Law scored again what was to be the deciding goal in the 40th minute to ease their relegation worries. An unbeaten seven-match run for Wolves was over. West uh, West Londoners Fulham came to Molyneux on Saturday, April 27th without injured talisman Johnny Haynes and found themselves 2-0 down with uh, goals from Alan Hinton and a rare one from Skipper Flowers. Cook pulled one back for Fulham and the game ended 2-1, back to winning ways. One thing Wolves could not do in the 62-63 season was beat Nottingham Forest. Earlier they had drawn one at Molyneux, then they were knocked out of the FA Cup at the City Ground 4-3. On the last day of April, they went back to Nottingham and were beaten again 2-0 with goals from Winfield and Addison. There was huge excitement when the teams were announced before the home game with Ipswich Town with the return of centre-forward Ted Farmer, who hadn't played for the first team since late September. But the effect of playing so many games in so short a time has begun to take its toll, and even Ted's return couldn't inspire the team to score, and the game ended goalless. But Ted did hit the target in the final home match of the season, scoring the first goal in the 37th minute. Peter Broadbent scored a second to give the Wolves fans a glimpse of what might have been if Ted Farmer had stayed injury-free the whole season. And so the trip to Ewood Park for the final match of the eventful season to play Blackburn Rovers. Veteran centre-half Bill Slater came in at centre-half for his 310th and last final match for Wolves. Unfortunately, it was not going to be a fairy tale ending as Blackburn ran out 5-1 winners. The Wolves' goal coming from Chris Crow. Fred Prickering scored a hat-trick for Rovers. So, that was it. Everton finished as league champions. Tottenham Hotspur runners-up with Burnley in third. Leicester City fall from Wolves fifth. Manchester City and Lake Norrient were relegated. But it was certainly a big improvement on the season before when the club had finished 18th. They were certainly entertaining, scoring 93 league goals. Who knows how the season would have panned out if Ted Farmer had stayed fit. At the time of his injury, Wolves were unbeaten at the top of the table and Ted had scored eight goals in the first ten league games. Sadly, Ted's injuries never did properly heal and he had to retire from football aged only 24. It makes you wonder how good he could have been. He scored 44 goals in 57 appearances for the Wolves' first team, which is comparable to England's greatest ever striker, Jimmy Greaves. Plus, in two appearances for the England under-23 team, he scored five goals. Who knows, Ted could have been a 1966 World Cup winner. Well, that ends this episode of Back in the Day. I hope you've enjoyed it. See you soon. Bye.